You're listening to Real Talk with Regions Bank. In this special podcast, recorded in St. Louis before a live audience, Laura Hediger of KMOV News 4 continues her panel discussion with four young business leaders. In part two, we'll hear about the challenges young professionals face today and how they innovate and overcome challenges in the workplace. China Bowen is the Regional Director of Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. Kendra Elaine is a millennial leadership expert and certified corporate trainer. Jason R. Hall is the co-founder and CEO of Arch to Park LLC. And Shannon Bube is a commercial banking solutions relationship manager for Regions Bank. Now, let's hear from St. Louis's young leaders at this Real Talk with Regions live event. What is one of the biggest challenges you feel today's generation of young professionals face as they start their careers? I would say it's patience. So I see a lot of people that graduate and they want to be a CEO in a year. Um, (laughs) It's usually not how it works, right? And we are in an environment right now where we, you know, we have a society that, you know, we can get real feedback and stuff. So you know, don't be scared to have the patience to take an entry-level position and know that, you know, that entry-level position oftentimes is building the foundation of what your career is going to become. So don't be scared to take that, you know, take the time to really get to know what the business is about. You don't know what you don't know about the industry that you want to get into until you're actually there. Mm -hmm. So take the time to take that position. It may not have a glorious, glamorous title at first, but it will literally lay the foundation of what you will become. So I kind of take a different approach to this question. I think the biggest problem facing millennials and leadership today is um, we have a branding problem. So millennials are either going to save the world or we are going to ruin it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is it today? Which is it today? And I think that there is so much pressure that goes beyond behind that Um, for millennials entering the workforce today. It's like either you are going to sweep in, uproot everything, disrupt everything, change it, break it apart, build something new, or you are going to completely tear this down and not sustain it. Um, So I think really shifting that perspective of we're just starting like everyone else. Like our father's generation, our grandfather's generation, nobody really knows when they start and we're all figuring it out. Um, so, but to take that pressure off of ourselves to become these ready-made leaders already. The problem is with patients, there are some CEOs that come out of high school. <laughs> yeah. So it gives us some misleading um, uh, outcomes. Right? You know, to piggyback off that, I think one of the biggest challenges we have is distractions. And that affects <laughs> our level of motivation. It's difficult to see the CEOs who come fresh out of college. It's difficult to see the you know YouTube millionaires and all these people doing all these mm-hmm. things and then we go to a job that we may or may not want and I feel like a lot of millennials struggle with motivation and it's hard to zone in and just focus and take that time to get to know yourself, focus on yourself, what it is you love to do, what it is you want to do and figure out what it is that you are here for and what it is that you want to do. To me, I, the, the biggest pressure is just the current state of the world we're living in, the pace of technological change and career change, the way work is changing, is by the people that study this stuff, I mean, we're on a progression that we have not seen in decades like this Mm -hmm. with the, the digital era taking foot. And so I think it's like, 
How do I get a career? That career may not even be there in 10 years. And what if I get on the wrong track? And how do I reinvent myself? And, you know, that's, that is a level of pressure that a prior generation simply didn't have to deal with mm -hmm. at quite the same scale. There's no easy answers to it other than, you know, again, focusing on the fundamentals, which is your network, investing in yourself and different skills so that you have a bit of nimbleness. But, I mean, the reality is people are going to have many, you know, people starting their careers now, especially, are going to have many different careers and in jobs that may not even exist. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just think that's scary and it's a lot of pressure to take in as a young person when you're just trying to start life as well. Um, so no easy answers, but that's just the reality and it's tough. <laughs> it is. I, it truly is. How has your own innovation helped you become a better leader? And were there times that you were stumped and how did you overcome those obstacles? Kendra, let's start with you. You know, working in traditional jobs, I could see that when I stepped up as a leader and I took control of my attitude and I took control of how I reacted to things that it changed the atmosphere around me and that it really did affect my coworkers and my team. So being able to step outside and say, you know what, no matter what I'm doing, I would consider myself a leader and acting accordingly, that kind of pushed me to the next level, not only in my careers, but in finding my path as an entrepreneur and starting my business. And, you know, it gave me a good foundation to put myself out there mm -hmm. as an innovator and as a thought, a thought leader. So laying that foundation when I was in, you know, a corporate space of being a leader no matter what I was doing and you know, treating everybody the same way kind of gave me that foundation and that push. But what I did for myself was instead of um, listening to music in the car, I started listening to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I listened to audiobooks when I would have long drives or in the car, or if I just had some downtime. You know, me and some friends actually just talked about getting a book club started where instead of reading a book, we get together with some wine and we listen to a couple audio, like an audiobook, yes. like a couple of chapters. Like, if you see those books out there, grab them. The content is useful, and be sure to apply it to yourselves because it will, it will definitely help. It helped me. And I would say, and this is a little bit, I think, for personal growth, getting out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that's going to mean a lot to different people, and there's different degrees of it. To be specific, I mean, it, you know, I was, again, going up in the corporate environment where I started my career in a place like Brian Cave. You got, like, every resource, the best of technology, it's hard work, but you're highly supported. They invest in their people. And then in, as, as I mentioned, on a dime, I say, let's go to Jefferson City, Missouri, right? And go down to state government, mm -hmm. which has, you know, I mean, our state, you can look at the numbers, we're 49th or 50th, depending on the year, for lowest pay, not a long history of investing in employees. Technology is what it is. It was a very different environment. And... I think it was helpful doing something like that in my career to, to early on um, to operate in just a radically different environment than I had started my career in because you learn to be nimble, you learn to adapt, and I think the longer you stay on one pathway, it just the reality is the older you get, the harder it is to be more nimble. And so I think trying some radical change, that may be career path, it may be hey, I normally go here for vacation, but I really want to go to this exotic locale. Just do something that pushes you out of that comfort zone because as humans, you, you do learn to adapt, but it's like working out. If you don't sort of flex that muscle and put yourself physically in an environment that is not comfortable to you or 
meet people at places you wouldn't normally go to. You got to be intentional and conscious about it, but man, you really grow as a human. And I look back and say, had I not, and I almost didn't take that job. Um, I think I would have missed the opportunity for so much personal growth that um, uh, allowed me to really become a better version of myself. China, Shannon. I agree with that. I think um, we've done all these studies at my company, and people love change or people hate change. And I'm a person that loves change. I embrace change quickly, and I'm usually the one saying, hey, can we change this to try and make it better? Um, so in my career, that's been great and pushed me forward as a leader, and I've um, had great success of getting people to follow me, but I'm also like a quick change. Like I just want, we got this good idea, let's make it happen. And so in my career, there's been times where I need to slow down because not everyone loves change mm -hmm. like I do um, and want to move that quickly. So um, to just make sure that you're, you know, really being conscious of who your audience is, who can move quickly through those changes with you, who they who you may need to slow down for a little bit because they're not as ready to change and make those changes or those innovations, I think um, is very helpful as a leader. So just make sure that you're really paying attention to your full audience, your full team, and saying, okay, are we moving at a correct pace that we can get everyone moved over, but that we're not actually leaving anybody, anybody behind? Yeah, um, to echo what everyone has said, I think stepping outside of your comfort zone and really adding to your own echo chamber. Because we get really comfortable in our expertise and we're becoming hyper experts on everything. And you specialize in this one thing and you confine yourself to this very narrow pathway. And it could be something as simple as what Kendra said, as reading self-help books mm -hmm. and um, different tools and resources on leadership development. But that's still focused on you. And you're still developing the same person that you already were. Listening to podcasts on a variety of different things to be able to have different conversations with people because you never know where those pathways are going to lead you. And rather than investing yourself, I think another really powerful tool for innovation is start investing in other people. Begin mentoring a young person um, where, where you were, and then you get to learn from that new energy, those new eyes um, and different opportunities that are out there, and you get to see that for yourself and how you can apply that for your life. Um, contrary to popular belief, you are not good at everything. And I think the self-awareness of recognizing where your weaknesses are and teaming up with people and having just the humility to be able to call and say, I really don't know this stuff, but I know you do. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, you'll find out this, again, a theme that comes back. It builds soft relationships because it turns out we like to be asked our opinions. Um, <laughs> so you actually sort of solve two problems at once when you, when you do that um, because you're drawing on other people's expertise that conveys to them you respect them, mm -hmm. you trust them, you think they're valuable, um, and quite frankly, it's recognizing your own limitations that you don't know everything. I do that all the time. Um, in terms of what you can control, you can control yourself. Mm -hmm. You can control your attitude, how you respond to things, um, how adept you are. You can control um, your, your level of curiosity. You know, if something is changing or innovating around you, are you going to be resistant to it? Or are you going to be curious about it? Or are you going to try and grow your skills? And when it comes to, you know, receiving negative feedback, I, I, whenever I talk to managers, they're like, well, don't you think that the millennials have to do this? And why is it always us? And I'm like, it's not. It's a two-way street. Millennials need to be coachable. We have to understand that we don't know everything and that if our boss is giving us constructive feedback in a constructive manner, that we are open to receiving that and we're receiving it in a respectful way and processing it and trying to see. And that, that's you empowering yourself as a leader. If you want to be better, you want to know ways that you can be better. 
You know, I, when I've been reprimanded before at work, it's like I had to start being more um, self-reflective and saying, you know what, that stung a little bit, but in reality, how can I get better if I didn't know? How can I fix it if no one said it to me? Mm-hmm. And if they said it to me in a respectful way, it's like, okay, I need to take that and apply it and be better next time. So, you know, you can control yourself, being coachable and being curious and, you know, being willing to change as the innovation happens. I would also say when you can't change something, move on. So there's so many times in our companies um, and in my past that I've seen a change come. Banking changes daily. The government regulations change daily, so we have a lot of change in our industry. There's a lot of people that really want to hang on to that past. And if it's something that has changed and we can't change it back, move forward. So don't hang in the past. It doesn't do anybody any good to dwell on it, to complain about it uh, nonstop. Just move forward. Let it go. Yeah, and I think that um, also understanding that innovation is not an individual sport. Um, Innovation happens through collaboration. I think we get that confused with inventions, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you, okay, I'll take it back to my history nerd days. Um, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin. That was an invention. He didn't revolutionize the cotton industry by himself through that one invention. It takes collaboration with other people. There are so many people, especially in places like St. Louis, where the startup community is fantastic, Mm -hmm. where the nonprofit industry is bustling, and we're all sort of doing the same things. But when you collaborate, you can actually make impactful innovation happen. Certainly, management poses plenty of challenges. And to become an outstanding leader, you need to be ready to conquer any challenge that comes your way. Leveraging smart advice, tools, and resources like those we learned about in today's discussion, are great ways to set yourself up for success. Helping you achieve your goals is something Regents Bank understands. Regents Next Step is a financial education program offering advice, tools, and guidance to help you accomplish your goals at every stage of your life. No matter your goals, Regents will help you with each step you want to take. Tell us about one of your failures and how did you grow from it? One of my biggest failures was um, trying to be right at the expense of being influential. And I learned that the hard way. So I had, this was early in my public service career. I had inherited this audit from the prior administration who was a Republican. I was a Democrat. But like the lawyer in me is like, you fight for what's right and not you know, worry about party politics. So I vigorously defended the prior administration on this audit issue. And to the point where it became me and the then state auditor started to have like just, we were going at war. Because I'm like, you were so unethical. You're a Democrat, I'm a Democrat. But like, it didn't matter to me. I just, she was very unethical. And I did not believe what she and her staff were doing was right. So I kind of died on the hill on ethics. Well, it turns out, I was too young to realize this and too naive in politics, but the state auditor has like a barrel of ink and they have the ability to call press conferences. And so she did and was talking about, oh, I was so mean and so brash and all this stuff. Well, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're in like every newspaper in the state getting bashed by a statewide elected official, I wanted to curl up in the fetal position and die. So it was like the worst thing in my life. But I learned that, you know, I got through it, dusted off. But, uh, you know, the lesson was it's okay 
um, not to prove every point, and sometimes it's okay not to fight a fight um, and, and sort of move on. And you can be right in your head, and you can be right in your heart, but you don't have to prove it to the world. So I will say, for me, um, I don't like calling them failures, but, you know, lessons. Uh, but the go. time that, that came to mind for me is when I was er, started early in my entrepreneurship career, maybe about three years ago. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the kind of like empowerment space. Um, and I went in saying, you know, I know I want to be a public speaker. Um, but then I started talking to, you know, all these different coaches and things. And they were like, oh, you know, public speakers, they don't, they don't really make any money. Like, I don't really know any public speakers that do anything. Like, you should be a coach. You should be a life coach. And so I spent all this money and all this stuff to become a very specific kind of life coach. And I, I did everything they said, and I was going hard down this path, and it just was not working. Like, I was just meeting just like a ton of resistance, and it was just a really hard struggle that was not succeeding. Like, the niche didn't fit, and it was just, it was bad. And the realization was, that wasn't the path for me. Like, I had said what the path was. I wanted to be a public speaker, and I let other people influence me. Mm -hmm. And so the lesson in that for me was to get to know myself and stand strong in what I want. And because when you don't know what you want, people will gladly put you into their agenda. They will gladly put you into what fits for them or what they think is for you. And you will find yourself frustrated and upset. So the lesson for me was to, to know myself, stay true to myself. I would say that um, early in my career, I. You know, I wanted everyone I worked with and all my employees to be just as gung-ho as I am. <laughs> and that's not going to be the case. So uh -huh. there's going to be some people that, you know, are in a job and that's all they want to do for the rest of their lives. And they don't want to grow and innovate and, and uh, work more. Um, and I was getting frustrated with those people, but that's their path. So I think really getting to know your employees, getting to know your staff and your workforce that you work with, and you've got to let them take their own journey and um, be there for what you can for them, but sometimes it's gonna be different than, than what your values are. So um, just really you know, letting everyone grow kind of in their own way. One of the biggest failures, I think, well, they're never really failures unless you don't learn from them, <laughs> is um, being very adept at uh, identifying what's wrong, what's problematic, what could be improved upon, but not having the solution for it. So never speak out of turn and say, hey, we need to fix this unless you have a solution, I think is um, one of the biggest uh, challenges I think that folks have when they're first getting started. But someone says that we often hear that millennials are entitled. Why do you think that is? And what can we do to manage and overcome that? One of the things whenever I say I deal with millennials or talk about millennials, that's like the first thing, like, oh my God, they are so entitled. And when I have had conversations with managers and we delve it, I'm like, okay, so you have a millennial who is entitled. Let's talk about why you think they're entitled. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, and I'm not saying there aren't any entitled millennials, but more often than not, what I have found is it is a misunderstanding of their intentions. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're communicating their desires wrong or maybe the leader or boss isn't taking the time to understand their intentions behind what they're doing and it's coming off as entitled. And that's why I always empower leaders to take that time and ask the follow-up questions. So if you are a millennial, as far as trying to combat that, is working on your communication. 
and working on, you know, am I coming off entitled? How, how is this being received? And making sure, you know, if you feel like your intent isn't being understood, explain it. Have no problem saying, you know, I asked you about that because this is how I feel, or this is the feedback that I'm getting, or I need your feedback on this. Explain your intentions if you feel like you're getting labeled as entitled or whatever the case may be. They say a lot of things about us, but whatever it is, make sure you know you're communicating your intentions and trying to combat that with giving them that insight into who you are and, and why you're looking for what you're looking for. I would say a big part of it, like you said, is just communication. So make sure that you're really communicating the why behind whatever you're asking for, whatever you're wanting to do. So if you're wanting that raise, have the documentation to back it up to say, these are the steps and the things that I've done to deserve that raise. Um, but really make sure you're working on the why behind it. Um, and then as a manager, having that communication to say, you know, don't just automatically say, oh, all millennials are entitled. You know, make sure that you're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. I think on both sides, shifting the focus from what to how is important. So instead of a millennial saying, I want to make this amount of money, it's how do I get there? and really discussing what that pathway looks like for folks um, on, on both ends and what do you need to accomplish in order to get to that, to that destination. My theory is, I don't know whether I'm right, <laughs> that it emanates from just the, the, an intergenerational difference in the way work is done. So many of the people saying it are probably a little bit older mm -hmm. and matured in what I would call the production line economy, which is someone's at the top, someone's at the bottom, everybody's telling everybody below them what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just not the way work's done. That's not the knowledge economy. That's not the innovation economy. Like You have to have a point of view. You are collaborating, you're trying to create new, and the way work is done in the 21st century uh, is less production line. And so I think that, you know, people that climbed a ladder where they were like, I waited my turn and I got my gold watch and I'm finally at the top aren't used to people below having an opinion because they weren't supposed to because that's not the right. way work was done when, when they were the same age. And that concludes part two of a special three-part podcast recorded live in St. Louis and presented by Real Talk with Regents Bank. If you missed part one, check it out to find out how our panelists learned how to use passion to work in today's business environment, what finding empowerment means to them, and the importance of mentorship. Look for part three, where we'll learn about how they make time for networking and career growth in a busy world and what they look for in a leader. Copyright 2019 Regents Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Views presented are those of the individual speakers at a live event and may not be suitable for your individual situation and should not be considered legal, tax, or financial advice.